the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's with the help of folks like yourself that Derek Rear Ministries can bring God's life-changing and impactful gospel to over 100,000 people around the world each week. As we begin the new year, we have a fresh opportunity to join together and help the hurting. Please consider partnering with Derek Greer Ministries to help spread God's message even further via radio, television, and the internet. Getting started is easy. Go to DerekGreer.com. That's DerekGreer.com. And select the green Donate button at the top right of the screen. Thank you and God bless. This is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. The Word of God is full of life-changing power. So our prayer is that this broadcast equips you to live a life so big that it impacts everyone and everything around you. Remember to hit the notification bell on YouTube to get this teaching and worship with us live each week. Let's join Bishop Greer. Father, open eyes, illuminate hearts, and we give you all the honor and all the glory. And the church says, last week we talked about reaching our loved ones. This week, we're going to talk about finding the power to assist and reach our loved ones. So we're going to be in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 1. So you're going to have the full context by the time we get to verse uh, 7. Um, and it begins, Paul and a apostle, 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 apostle. Now today, the term apostle is only used in religious uh, settings, but Back in, in the time the Bible was written, uh, the term apostle was a secular word. Um, it wasn't typically used uh, in religious uh, settings. I understand it's found some places in the Septuagint, but, but that aside, it was really a, a, a secular term. And the apostle was typically the admiral of a ship. And what the Romans would do is, you know, they were a, 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 a warring people. And they go into a new area of the world that they had not conquered yet. Often they would send this admiral on a ship. Sometimes there'd be fleets of ships with him. And uh, the admiral will go into this new territory that the Roman culture ha- has not yet or has not been uh, helped Hellenize. And um, uh, he he'd go in there and uh, he conquered the land. But then he would also import Roman culture. And a, a colony is basically, it's kind of like, you know, my, my pastor used to say, um, you know, he was from the Bahamas. And, um, you know, uh, in the Bahamas, they wear jackets and long pants and the rest. Why? It's hot down there. Why would you ever wear a tie and a jacket? But they were colonized by the English. So what they did in London, they did in the Bahamas, okay? 
So uh, the, the apostles' uh, main function uh, was, again, to take the Roman culture and uh, expand the kingdom and, and make sure that the folks were operating as good Roman uh, citizens. And likewise, Paul, he was assigned to take the culture of heaven, bring it into new areas, develop churches, and, and the culture of heaven would be seen in that church, and, and then the people of that church would uh, continue to expand. Now, we, they didn't conquer like the Romans conquered, but God did win hearts, etc. So he begins with Paul, an apostle, uh, ambassador, special messenger, an envoy, uh, literally a, a person on divine assignment in this case. Then he said, of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, we may never know everything, even when we're in heaven. I don't know that we'll always know or ever know everything about the will of God, but we must know some things. And we see here that Paul was crystal clear about uh, one of the most important things, his purpose. Now, you may not be called to be an apostle, but all of us have an assignment on earth. All of us have a particular purpose. And as true, Paul began all his letters stating who he was. I am an apostle because he was committed to his purpose. Find your purpose and stay committed to your purpose. You see, if you don't know who you are, you you leave a vacuum for the world to tell you instead. And and this can be disastrous for some of us because, you know, a couple hundred years ago, I was just three-fifths a person. Uh, And in some neighborhoods, you can only be an athlete, maybe a rapper or a drug dealer. You see, the, the, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without purpose. And uh, Paul was living his purpose. You may not be an apostle in ministry, but you have a purpose. And you can learn from Paul. And what is your purpose? Discover your purpose. Lean into your pur- purpose. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, watch this, by the will of God. Paul understood if a man didn't call him, you know, a man, man can't stop him. You know, if God sets you, no human can remove you. The, the will of God can never take you where the grace of God can't keep you. And Paul understood that. Whether you're single, whether your purpose is to be married, whether you're a, a business person, homemaker, a doctor, a, a landscaper, uh, if God called you there, find your lane and stay in it. You know, enemies at times may slow you, they, they, circumstance may hinder you, but if God before you, who can be against you? He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, I didn't make this up, he said, by the will of God. I know I'm married to that woman in the first row by the will of God. I did it before God. We, we didn't do it. I mean, not, you do it at the justice of the peace, uh, fine, but please try to do it also before God. But we did it before God. And uh, I know it's my will, God's will, for me to be that woman's husband. I may not be everybody's husband, but I'm that woman's husband. And I know God's will for my life. And I'm going to stay in God's will for my life. And because God assigned me to her, I know I must have what she needs or what it takes to make this thing work. So according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul was in a cold, damp prison cell waiting to be killed. But what's amazing is we, as we read his literature written from these prisons, we still see a man very, very full of life. You know, he, he, 
At, at death was, was, you know, it could have happened at, at, at any moment, but, but Paul understood death was part of life. You know, it may come earlier for some, later for others, but it eventually comes to everyone. So we must live ready. Verse 2. He said to Timothy, watch this, my beloved son. Now, Timothy was not related to Paul by blood. But our spiritual relationships can sometimes be even more powerful uh, than, uh, than our natural ones. You know, I, I've heard it said, you know, a good dad is a son's first hero and, and a daughter's first love. And we find in the book of Acts chapter 16 and verse 1 that Timothy's natural father was not a believer. But watch what God did. He supplied him with a spiritual father. You see, it may look different for each of us, but God will supply all our needs. Whatever your needs are, God will find a way to supply them. And then he goes on, he says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we also see something of the confidence that comes from Paul. He believes he's speaking from God because he's actually giving greetings from God. So he knows that this letter is instruction from heaven. And he's in his apostolic mode here. And he sends greetings from the homeland, uh, from Father himself and Christ, to everyone reading. But I want you to notice the addition of one term here. Typically at the beginning of the epistles, you'll see grace and mercy. Sometimes Peter might even say grace and mercy be multiplied. I'm sorry, grace and peace, forgive me, be multiplied to you. But uh, here, and we find in Titus and in 1st and 2nd Timothy, when he speaks to ministers, he, he adds this one word, mercy. Why? Because the more you know, the more mercy you need. And, and this is important because what we say sometimes it, it can, can set us up for, for trouble. Some people say, well, we hold our ministers to a different standard or we hold our leaders to a different standard. That, that's not at all accurate. It's not that we should hold leaders to a different standard, but we should require them to live closer to the one standard so that they can draw us even closer. So I'm not looking at someone just to judge them and assess them. I'm trying to qualify them. I mean, if, if you don't got it right, how are you going to lead me? So I want someone further along than me to lead me where I need to go. And what we look for in our leaders is people that have walked with God and have some experience in relationship and can lead us places we have not gone yet. And that is what the attitude we need to have when it comes to judging and all the rest as it relates to our leaders. Verse 3. Then he said, I thank God. Now, Paul begins all his epistles with thanks. Um, and here's the deal. Your bills may be overdue. Your library books may be overdue. Some phone calls may be overdue. I got a few of them overdue. But you better make sure your next thank you, Jesus, is not overdue. Because your thank yous are directly connected to your breakthroughs. Whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. So what Paul understood is if people doubted his intentions, they wouldn't trust his actions. And, you know, here's the deal. I may not always get it right. I know I don't always get it exactly right. But, but folks need to know I am trying to help. You know, even if I don't get it perfect, I am trying to help and be of assistance. And he was saying, listen, I'm living this thing. No, no, I don't do everything right. Even though he was writing scripture, he was not a perfect man. 
But before God, he said, Lord, you know, I, I, I am trying my best. I know my motivation is to please you and be a blessing to others. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers. Watch this, night and day. Now, here's the backdrop. Here's the context. And this is what's going to help you understand this entire epistle. Likely, Paul was in a famous prison, you can still visit it in Rome, called Maritime Prison. Um, And the lower room of this particular prison actually started as a cistern. And the lower room of this prison was actually connected to Rome's sewer system. So I want you to think about the environment that Paul was in. It was absolutely disgusting. It was noxious. It was squalid. I mean, the conditions were frightful. There were animals. And you didn't even just, it wasn't a type of prison where they closed a cell behind you. You were dropped into a hole. This was the nature of Maritime prison. But in spite of his circumstances, what I want you to see is his heart was filled with thanksgiving and prayer. How could you write a letter like this in that type of environment? You see, a lot of people think that they are filled with the Spirit because at some point in their life they prayed in other tongues. But to me, one of the best signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit is being able to give thanks when life is unfair, when life stinks, when you're in a situation you don't deserve, and you can say, thank you, God, you are good. I know the, 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 the circumstances, I don't get it, but Lord, I will trust you. Men and women that, that only when things are perfect, they can praise God. I don't trust them. One of the reasons why I pay attention to Paul is because he could praise God in circumstances like this. And then verse 4, he continues. Now, most of us, if we wrote a letter in that situation, it'd be, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. But while he was in there, he was thinking about somebody else. Greatly desiring to see you. And what you need to understand, the temptation that Timothy was going through was very painful for Paul. Because at this point, Timothy was being tempted with disassociating himself from from, from Paul. And I'll give you more on that later. But I want you to watch the response of the apostle here. And he was just like, you know, a father is with a son. Because he didn't mention his own tears, only Timothy. You knew, you know, he had to go through some tears. You, you know, these are, vi- listen, you are not in good company when you are in a Roman prison. These were murderers. These are killers. These are rapists. These are, I mean, these are people in desperate situations. And they didn't feed you in prison like they do today. If, if someone didn't bring their food, they didn't have any. And that meant if someone brought you food, you had to fight to keep your food, okay? So Apostle Paul is in a dog-eat-dog situation, but he doesn't mention his own tears. And one of the most challenging things I know in my life um, is knowing what bridges to burn and what bridges to keep crossing. You know, knowing when to hold them, when, 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 when to fold them. Despite Timothy's weakness, Paul knew Timothy was a keeper. And... Timothy was struggling. Timothy, it seems like Timothy was kind of backsliding a little bit. And you can still backslide even though you're a leader in ministry. And we'll see that in a couple moments. Greatly desiring to see you, watch this, being mindful of your 
tears. We'd be so full of our own tears, our own pain, and you don't know what happened to me. Watch this, that I may be filled with joy. Now, 99% of us would say, well, I'll be happy or joyful when I get out of this place. But Paul would rejoice if just Timothy would visit him and let him know the relationship was still intact. Paul had a different set of priorities. Jesus, you know, God is not caring about your stuff and your things. He cares about the quality of the relationship you have with him. And Paul was a very, very, very strong man. He was strong-willed. He, you know, Paul was tough too. I mean, he was hard to be around sometimes because, you know, he'll speak directly to you and, and he'll straighten you out sometimes even in public. He did that to, to Peter. But, but what I want you to understand is, is in spite of the, the toughness of Paul, he had such a tender heart. And let me tell you something about uh, being a, a father uh, or a spiritual father or a mother, a spiritual mother. Loving children can hurt. But I also want to tell you, what makes you vulnerable is what makes you most beautiful. And, and, and to have the vulnerability to love somebody makes you absolutely gorgeous. Paul was a beautiful man loving his Timothy in that prison. And then in verse 5, he says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Now, if he's talking about genuine faith, that means some people can have faith that's not genuine, which means everyone talking about heaven is not going. But when you find the real thing, ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. But what I want to say here, and I want you to catch this, Paul had every reason to be consumed with his own circumstances. It's not fair what happened to him. I mean, God, remember what the miracle you did when I was in prison in, 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 um, in the Philippian jail? You did a miracle. I've been in here weeks now, and I see no miracle. God, I, you know, I laid hands on sick. They recovered. Now I'm feeling kind of under the weather with this cold, damp place. And, and imagine the frustration that, that could have set in and the doubt that could have began to, to plague uh, the apostle Paul here. Uh, but, but pay attention. He calls to remembrance his what genuine faith. Instead of criticizing Timothy for his frailties, he began to focus and encourage what was right in Timothy. He knew if he inspired, you know, Timothy to keep his faith, Timothy would also keep everything else that matters. See, a lot of times we go after the fruit and not the root. And the real issue is not your problem, it's your faith. That, that you believe your circumstances, you believe what people are saying, the devil's saying in your head, you're saying it instead of what God's word says about your situation. He says he, 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 he compliments this guy that's considering walking away from him. He says, there's this genuine faith that's in you which, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois, or Lewis, whatever her name is, and your mother Eunice. But what I want you to see here is the fact that Timothy's father was an unbeliever, but that didn't stop his mother from being every inch of the woman of God God called her to be. 
What your spouse does or doesn't do doesn't dis- it, it, it doesn't let you off the hook. You still got to be what God's called you to be in your situation. It first dwell in your grandmother, but then the grandma passed it down to the daughter. And, you know, I, I love my family and everything, but if they stop loving God and I agree with them, we'd all be wrong. But, but here's the real danger. If I start going with them, I forfeit my ability to help them. So if I get in the pit with them, how am I going to reach down to help them out? And if we're so weak, we got to follow those around us. What's coming out of me? Instead of doing the right things God has already placed in us, if salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing. What's the point of the salt shaker on the table if it doesn't add flavor and taste? The reason you're in the family, the reason you're in the room is to bring a certain flavor to the table that wouldn't be there in your absence. But Jesus doesn't end there. He says, if salt loses its saltiness, watch this, you're not going to like this. He said, it's good for nothing. How many of you know some good, don't look, look straight. <laughs> How many of you know some good for nothing people? It's good for nothing except to be trodden underfoot by men. Meaning when you lose your, your salt trying to be accepted by people, you're going to end up being dominated and walked on by those same people. In other words, they're not going to respect you. I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to, I'm going to get back to the text. Verse 6. Therefore, therefore, because of the one thing I know you still have, Timothy, your genuine faith. You see, when you have a solid foundation, when your faith is real, you become steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He said, therefore, Timothy, I remind you, most of my job most Sundays is not to priest nice as much as to remind you who you really are. Because the devil's been in your ear all week saying what you can't do and you telling God what you won't do and, and all the rest. I'm here to remind you what this word, what this book says about you. It's not that I'm a great preacher. Your amens are because I'm just saying what God says about you from this book. It bears witness with your heart and your amen says it's right. Amen. But here's the context. Timothy was in a mess because uh, the emperor Nero... Uh, you know, uh, some people, historians say he actually started this fire, but, but rumor had it, whether it was true or not, I don't know, was that the emperor started this fire because he wanted to expand the, the, the palace. But the problem was the fire got out of control. But then after the fire, Nero recognized and, and realized that the Christian, the two uh, uh, majority Christian districts were untouched by the fire, God still knows how to protect his, his own. But Paul had preached to Nero because, you know, he wanted to be sent before Caesar and Nero was Caesar, you know. So he knew that Christians taught that the world would end in fire. So what he did is he made Paul the scapegoat, arrested him, and charged Paul and these Christians 
was starting the fire, the great fire of Rome. And here's the context, though. Timothy was Paul's star pupil in the city of Ephesus. So if they got Paul, guess who might be next? So every knock at the door, all, every time he heard footsteps coming in, his, you know, he, he, his wife would, 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 would flinch up. His children would get nervous. And, and here's the deal. It was a different world back then. They wouldn't just arrest him. They might arrest his wife. And then without a man in a house, you know, women didn't get the type of money that men got typically, and, and they would basically leave his children as orphans, and his wife would have to probably d- depend on charity for the rest of her life. So this is not a light thing Timothy's dealing with. And Timothy's thinking, well, you know, if I just back up from Paul a little bit, you know, Paul, you know, he'll forgive me, and I'll just back away, you know, a little bit, and, and then that, that, you know what, people are leaving my church every Sunday. And that's what was happening. People weren't coming back because who wants to be associated with an arsonist? Who wants to be associated with people that are odds at the gut with the government? But here's the reality. I know some of the message in this book is at odds with our current government and our past government. But I'm going to keep preaching this word. You hear what I'm saying? No matter what people say, the government say, I'm going to stay in this book. This has been Live Big with Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Join us next time as we continue this teaching. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at TV. And while you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's all for today. Until next time, live big. Are you a Christian leader, entrepreneur, or lifelong learner seeking to unlock your leadership potential? Dr. Derek Greer's Renaissance Leadership Network provides you with biblical principles and practical life lessons from top leaders, influencers, and experts across the world. It's time to remove limitations and start seeing world-class measurable results in your ministry, business, or otherwise. Go to rlnleadership.com and register for our next free monthly leadership session. That's rlnleadership.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.